to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Thank you so much, Orchestra. Thank you for that. Thank you, David. That was that was outstanding. So it's been a while, David, since we've had the orchestra stay up here with me. So we'll, uh, we'll be different with that. So we do want to thank our online audience, as David shared earlier. Uh, you welcome us on the internet as well with that. And for those here in the um, sanctuary, go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 8. A little bit we'll also be flipping over in our Bibles to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. If you do have a bulletin as well as we have our online bulletin as well, I do want to encourage you to pull it out. You can follow along with some sermon notes there inside the bulletin. <clears throat> Orchestra, if y'all don't have a bulletin, that means David didn't do his job So, with that. But uh, you can see it up on the screen as well. Our theme for our church this year is rebuild. So the month of, um, you know, next week is actually Valentine's Day. actually falls on a Sunday. So um, we have baptism next Sunday. So be very special. Give your heart and your life to Jesus on Valentine's Day. So we've already got a couple, three folks who will be getting baptized. So if you are thinking about getting baptized, following in believer's baptism, and you want to get baptized here at Broadway, during our invitation, you walk forward and you make that public, and we can schedule you for baptism. The baptistry is heated. That is a frequent question that I get asked. Is it going to be ice cold? No, it's not. Now, our next baptism service will be in May, at the end of May, in West Hickman Creek. It is not heated, so depending on the weather, it could be cold there. So if you want a heated baptism, next week will be your Sunday with that. So our theme for the month of February will be rebuild relationships. This past year, you know, folks are getting vaccinated. Amazingly, this past week, a clergy are now considered essential workers. So I finally made the cut. So I'm now, I got to enter last night in the little database to get on a waiting list to get my vaccine. So maybe sometime in the next few weeks I'll get the shot with that since I'm now an essential worker. But uh, I hear the laughs about that. But uh, I share that because folks are now, as David shared, they're slowly, they're getting their shot, they're getting vaccine. Numbers and cases are going down, down. So folks feel more comfortable getting out and about and returning how maybe things used to be. Well, that being said, it's hard to take one year off of life and all of a sudden snap your fingers, walk back and say, wait a minute, things seem different. Everything is different. UK basketball is different. Everywhere you go is different. And I think for us, as Christians, we have to be reminded our most important thing in our life is our relationship with God. Did y'all know that? Your most important relationship is with Jesus Christ. And that is something you don't want COVID or a shutdown to affect your relationship with the Lord. And what we are going to see right here, this is a message, what I believe is so essential to our vitality as a believer. And that is our trust in the Lord. We hear that word thrown around all the time. Trust. What is trust? I mean, think about it. Who do you trust today? Do you trust Congress? <laughs> David, I got a laugh for that. That's, that's, that was, that's better than me being an essential worker. What about the media? Do you trust the media? 
<laughs> popular opinion. I mean, popular opinion changes not by the day, almost by the hour. So what could be popular right now, in a few hours, it will change. Um, what about your emotions? you trust your emotions? That, that changes literally by the day, how you feel. How you feel right now, by the end of this sermon, depending on how long I go, it will change as well. So uh, your, how you feel about people, how you feel about folks, it's just the, your health, it's constantly in flux. And what we have to th- be able to say as believers, as Christians, we have to have a rock-solid confidence in our trust on the Lord. We want to trust God. This past week, I'll give you an example of um, how trust can not necessarily be broken, but it can slowly be eroded away. At our house, we make the children drink milk at breakfast and dinner. And we have these little, David, we have these little milk packets so it's easy to put on the table. It's very simple. So I put four there out on the kitchen table. And I know when they're empty because they're in the trash can or I end up throwing them away in the trash can because people didn't do their cleanup. Well, that night, you know, I did that that morning. This is like on Tuesday or Wednesday this week. Well, that night it was time for dinner. It wasn't Wednesday because I was here at church Wednesday. But that, that evening we pull out our milk again. So I'm in the refrigerator pulling them out. And I noticed one of them was used. Well, we don't keep used milk in the refrigerator. I thought, well, that's odd. Why is there a half-drunk container of milk in there? It doesn't make any sense. So, well, it does make sense. Someone this, that morning drank half their milk and put it back in the fridge. So Sherry just told me here on Front Row she used it for a recipe. Well, Sherry, that ruins my story. <laughs> well, let me tell you what I did. I did not know this. Y'all know I don't, I don't preach my sermons to Sherry on uh, before. What happened that, well, I'll tell you what I did that night. I put those four milks out again, and I sat there, and I kept my eyes on all four of the children. Should have kept them on you, Sherry, there, and made sure they drank their milk, because I thought we had a child put their milk back in the fridge. Now, that would have been a good story, so if I ever preach it in another church, I could, uh, I could tell that again, but not tell that part, Sherry, what you said. All right, back to, back to the truth here. Since we're talking about trust, we break our trust by when we give our word to someone and we don't fulfill it. What that means is, and I've shared this before, the best way to build your trust is you actually do what you say you're going to do. So if you tell folks you're going to drink your milk, drink your milk. If you say, hey, I'll be at church at 1030, I'll, you be there. That is how you build trust. You just follow through with your words. Because trust is essentially, oh, I, can't, I, I keep him at his word. He said, he, she said she was going to do it. Well, there she is. And what we have to be careful of is what I practiced this week before I found this out. But it's what I call trust but verify. Have you ever heard that phrase, trust but verify? Now, is trust but verify, is that really trust? If you're having to go back behind someone to verify, okay, did you really drink your milk? Did you really do this? Did you pay that bill? Did you call that person? Did you send that email? Trust but verify, that really says, orchestra, I I don't trust them. I just have to run another 
set of eyes to make sure you actually did that. Trust makes you and I vulnerable. That's what trust is. Trust allows you to betray or hurt me. Because I'm not going to verify it. I'm going to keep you at your word. I believe you. You say you're not talking to that person. I believe you're not talking to him. If you say, if you say you're going to do this as a teenager and go to this place and be back at this time, I trust you. It's almost you're having to allow other people to fail. I'm going to give you the opportunity to fail. And we'll see if you can actually do it. The opposite of trust is control. When we feel like we have to control our situation in our life, that's really saying, I, I, I don't really trust you. I, I might say I trust you, but I'm really going to put some uh, guardrails in your life or in our, our marriage or in our family relationship to make sure you, you, don't, you don't break the rules. And what happens when we do that, when we go around and we're constantly having to verify, we're constantly having to have this attitude, mm, I, I don't believe that. Just like with the media or Congress, we just don't, we don't believe anything we hear. We don't trust them. You send people to Congress, it does not, what they say here in Kentucky doesn't mean that's how they're going to vote in Washington. It just doesn't. And we, don't even, we got to the point you don't even expect it. If someone actually did what they said, it would be a shock. I can't believe it. They're actually doing. But I share this because our spiritual life, God wants us to trust Him. And I'm going to explain what that means in this passage we're about to read. And I'm going to show you how you and I can trust the Lord. All right. 1 Samuel chapter 8. Background information on this passage. There was a judge, a godly man named Samuel. He judged Israel, but he had a couple of boys, a couple of sons, and they were not righteous. They did not follow the ways of the Lord. They did not follow the teachings of the Lord. And all of a sudden... Samuel's about to pass away. Well, back in Bible times, the next judge would have come up from Samuel's sons. But we had a situation here where they just weren't, they weren't righteous. So what are we going to do? And we're, we're, a, we're a young nation of Israel. And God is supposed to be our king. But what they're struggling with is they're living around these other nations that had earthly kings. And it's tempting when your king can't be seen, when your king speaks through a cloud and through the Ten Commandments and through Moses' teachings of hundreds of years ago and you were just expected to follow those and you can't see your king like all the other nations have, you want to be like the other nations. You want a king that you can control, that you can vote for, that you can tell them what to do, that you can hold them accountable. And God warns them, says, Guys, Israelites, when you go out and long for a king, you are rejecting me. And that's what this chapter is about. This is a story of about people who did not trust 
the Lord. And they're warned about it, and they ultimately pay the consequences for it. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 1. Follow along in your Bibles. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. His firstborn son was named Joel, and his second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, in southern Israel. However, his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned towards dishonest prophet, took bribes, and perverted justice. And the people knew this. They thought, this guy can't be our judge. He can't be our leader, these sons. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and went to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us. The same as all the other nations have. That is such a key verse. We want to be like all the other nations. There is this desire for you and I to fit in the world. Did you know that? You want to be like everyone else. Everyone's marching in this direction. You don't want to be this weirdo over here doing your own thing. You just want to get, get on track and, and, and do what everybody else is doing. And that's what's, that's all the religious leaders are coming to Samuel saying, Samuel, just make us like the other nations. Keep going here in your Bibles. When they said, verse 6, give us a king to judge us, Samuel considered their demand wrong. The reason it's wrong is because God is their king. Why do you need an earthly king? You've got the Lord. So he prayed to the Lord, but the Lord told him, Listen to the people, and everything they say to you, they have not rejected you, Samuel. They've rejected me as their king. It means we don't, we don't trust God anymore. We want to be like the other nations. They're doing the same thing to you that they've done to me since the day I brought them out of Egypt until this day, abandoning me and worshiping other gods. Listen to them, but solely warn them and tell them about the customary rights of the king who will reign over them. Well, you know what that means? That means they're going to get taxed. That means they are going to pay the price for having that king. So you, you, you're, there's going to be some um, loss that you will experience when you have an earthly king. Samuel told all the words, Lord's words to the people who were asking him for a king. And he said, these are the rights of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them to use in his chariots. And on his horses are running in front of his chariots. It means join the military. He can appoint for them, for his use as commanders of thousands or commanders of fifties to plow his ground and reap his harvest. Or make his weapons of war and the equipment for his chariots. He can take your daughters to become perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He's saying, you know, when you get a king, when you want to be like the other nations, you're surrendering your family and your rights. You're giving up these rights, and our rights come from the Lord. If the Lord is your king, God gives you your rights. But when you surrender that and be like the other nations, you're losing your rights. That's what it means to be a free in Christ. Freedom in Christ means I answer, I work for the Lord. God is my king. God should be your king. In everything you do, He is who you give it a daily, hourly account to. Every word, every thought is captive to Christ. That's what it means to follow Jesus. And Samuel's warning him, says, you want to give all this up? 
They're going to steal your family. Like you're going to lose all your freedom if you do this. Kings are bad. That's what King Samuel's warning the religious leaders, the elders. Verse 15. He can take a tenth of your grain and your vineyards, that's taxes there, and give them to his officials and servants. He can take your male servants, your female servants, and your best cattle, and your donkeys, and use them for his work. He can take a tenth of your flocks, and for you yourselves, you can become his servants. When that day comes, you will cry out, because the king you've chosen for yourselves, but the Lord, look at this, won't answer you that day. All of a sudden, you used to pray the Lord, and the Lord answered, but the day you want a king, I'll give you a king. But the Lord won't answer. Have you ever prayed a prayer and you're wondering, why doesn't God answer my prayers? Do you know one of the best ways to tell if you trust the Lord, if your trust in the Lord is maybe eroding, is actually your prayer life. Because God is telling the people, you're going to cry out to me, but see, you wanted a king instead. And I'm not going to answer. I'm going to allow your king to answer. I wonder if that could be happening in your life. You're crying out and you're praying to the Lord and you're wondering, God, why don't you answer my prayers? And the answer is right here in 1 Samuel 8. It's because you've trusted in other things, other people, other priorities before the Lord. And God says, okay, Dan, you want these other people and things in your life? Fine, I'll let those things Start answering your prayers. And we'll see how that goes. But I'll just stay back over here. This is what it's like when you slowly allow other things to control your life. When you won't control and you allow other things to control you than the Lord, there goes your prayer life. Your prayer life shows that you trust in God. Because you believe he will answer those prayers. You believe your needs, your requests, your petitions that you bring to the Lord. He and only He can answer those. I am afraid some of us as Christians, as believers, we have surrendered our trust for the Lord for a king, for things, for whatever other priorities in our life are. And we're wondering, why am I not hearing from God? And your answer's right there. God is saying, I'll pull back. You want a king? There's your king. Good luck. And that's how the Lord treats us. The God does not force us to believe. God will not reckon with us at a point and say, I'm going to beat you down to a point where you believe. That's what faith is. Faith is where God wants you and I to get to the point where every day we live for Him and say, Lord, this is the day You've made. I will rejoice and be glad into it. I have no clue what's going to happen. Lord, You control my life, my words, my actions. I'm giving it to You. Because You know if You control it, it fails. God is looking to control your life. And we are replacing that control, just like the Israelites are, with our own control, with our own kings. I want to explain how this is done. 
say, Daniel, contextualize. Well, how, how do we do this in 2021? Do you watch the news ever? I know half of y'all don't because y'all laughed at the media. If you watch the news, all the news is, is a political commentary rundown. That's all it is. Politics is like out of control. It's, it's gone through the roof. Do you know politics will leave us empty? All politicians can do is spend money that nobody has, that they don't even have, and make rules and laws. That's it. Politics will not bring revival. Politics, policy from Washington or Frankton, Frankfurt, will not change our city for the better. The change in our city is going to... Is going to occur when you or I, as Christians, begin to pray and cry out to the Lord and say, God, what are you going to do here in Lexington? How can people get saved and lives changed? Yesterday I went, do you know our city has this trail called the Legacy Trail? It just opened. I walked on it for my first time. Took the kids there. They rode their little scooters down there. And now it's down near downtown, near... London Street, I believe, and there's a railroad there, and we were there yesterday at like four o'clock, and when just tons of Lexingtonians were there walking, just a, like a 12-mile trail. You need to go ride your bike, go walk down it. And it was starting to get dark near the railroad track there in London Street, and we were headed back to where we parked it at that YMCA, and I noticed a lot of men off near the railroad tracks starting to congregate. Hey, real polite. I walked right by him, spoke to him. Then I looked closer and I realized what was going on. They were homeless. And they were, they were getting ready. Guys, they were getting ready for bed, it looked like. Literally, just in that area. You were very polite. Just the kindest folks in the world. They all spoke to us and the children. Very, it felt very safe. I thought, what a need. It's going to be 20 degrees here in our city. And these folks are getting ready to make their bed right there off Legacy Trail. That is a need in our city. There is home, There are people this past evening, last night, they slept literally on the streets of our city. And I want to tell you, city laws and politicians, they will not be able to solve that problem. The love, the compassion, us as believers that go out and give a cup of cold water, as Jesus says, and serve in the name of Jesus, that solves our city's social problems. But I want to tell you, if you don't do it in the name of Jesus, it's useless. Because Christ changes people's life. When people rededicate and give their lives to the, to the Lord, that, and they start relying upon their trust in Him, the Lord he becomes their king. You want to solve our city's problems? It's not going to be politics. It's going to be you and I. It's going to be us as believers boldly picking up the flag of Jesus saying, I'm going to go out and be a witness and make a difference for the better. But make sure these folks know why I'm really doing it. That's because I love the Lord. Keep going here in your Bibles. Look what it says here. This is what happens. You cry out and God doesn't answer your prayers. Verse 19, the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we must have a king over us. Then we'll, 
be like all the other nations. Our king will judge us. Go out before us and fight our battles. Do kings fight your battles? If you want to lose, they do. Samuel listened to all the people's words and then repeated them to the Lord. Listen to them, the Lord said to Samuel. Appoint a king for them. They want a king? Give them a king. Then Samuel told the men of Israel, each of you go back to your city. All right? You're going to get it. Do you know in many ways, the fall of Israel, the nation of Israel, began to fall when they decided they wanted a king. When they made the decision that they did not want God as their king, they wanted an earthly human king. In your spiritual life, tying this in with your relationship, you want to rebuild your spiritual life, you have to be able to say, God, are you my king? You know, here in your little bulletin handout, this is how people reject God. Because there's two types of people. There's the irreligious and there's the religious. Irreligious people, those that aren't religious, they reject God by not wanting Him to be a part of their lives at all. God's here. He's omnipresent. But they live a secular life without the Lord. They're irreligious. They don't want anything to do with the Lord. And God allows people like that to live their life. And they will go into eternity separated from God. They're not saved. But then you know also religious people also reject the Lord. And that's us. And here's how we do it. We, we do it, but we do it more subtly. Religious people reject God by letting Him be a part of their lives, meaning you walk the aisle, you're a member of this church, you come to Sunday school and worship, but the way you reject the Lord is you do not trust Him. You trust in other things in your life. You trust in your safety, your security, your health, your knowledge, your wisdom. It's all these earthly things, your finances. You feel, if only I had this, your family, I'd be secure. And the Lord's saying, no, you won't. That is what we as Christians can find ourselves slipping into when we are claiming we follow Christ, but we do not trust the Lord on a daily basis. How do, I do, how do we do this? Honestly, from my experience, you look at someone's prayer life. I can, uh, you can look at my prayer life. I can look at your prayer life, and I can literally tell you if you trust the Lord. Your prayer life determines if you trust God. And even here in this story we just read, the people kept crying out, we want to be like the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. And when we start thinking that way, when you want to be like everyone else, God pulls back and says, so be it. Good luck with that. Flip over in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs. Very well-known scripture passage here. This is probably what you grew up memorizing about what it means to trust God. Do you know it's rebellion to claim you trust God, but you insist on all these other 
things in your life. You say, I must have this. And you live your life saying, if I don't have this, Lord, I'm not going to trust you. And this is what God says to us about that. Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not rely on your own understanding. One of the dangers of aging. There's a, there's a danger in aging. You do know what it is? The fear and the danger in aging is you get knowledge. And you also might acquire some wisdom. I said might. The problem with that, Broadway Baptist, is when you get knowledge, when you've lived many decades, you've been around the block, you've been burned, you've been hurt, people have ripped you off, you've been taken advantage of, you have a cynical attitude, all of a sudden, you feel like, you know, I've made it this far. I've gotten this long, I know I can get through now, through this, on my own understanding. The danger of aging is you find yourself trusting in your own knowledge instead of the Lord. Trusting in God is when the numbers don't add up. Trusting in God is when things don't make sense. Trusting is in God is when you say, Lord, I don't know how to handle this situation. I don't know how to handle this problem. I don't know what to do about this marriage or relationship or child or grandchild. Lord, I trust you. She's in your hands. You cannot live your life trying to control other people. No one wants to be married to a control freak. No one wants to have friends that are just monitoring every single uh, thing they do. Have you noticed everywhere you go in the world, even at the intersection, there's cameras literally everywhere. There's probably a camera right now on us. There is a camera right now on us. Everywhere you go, there's cameras all around. Because this trust but verify. And God is saying, that is not how my people live. You have to make yourself vulnerable. This morning, God is speaking to you and He's saying, are you vulnerable before me? Mary, John, Jack, do you trust me? Do you believe I can do it? That's what God is asking us. So this morning's message, we begin this rebuild series about rebuilding our relationships. And your first relationship you need to rebuild is your relationship with the Lord. And I'm asking you to trust in God. And how do you do it? I believe we do it by you beginning to pray about everything. And you letting go and say, God, I can't handle this. I don't know what to say or do, but Lord, you do. There are many things we will never be able to control. We can't explain. We won't have any influence on. But God can and God does. And spiritual growth in your personal life with the Lord, in your marriage, your relationships with your family, it is based on trust. And the way to do it is you just back off and say, I trust you. I'm giving you 
an opportunity to either prove yourself and build trust or fail. Because one of those things are going to happen. And that's how our relationship with the Lord works. The more you trust God, it becomes addicting because he always comes through. His hand is not too short. He never lets you down. Listen, if I can trust God with my eternal salvation, if I can trust God with where I'm going to spend an eternity, surely I can trust him with my day-to-day problems and my day-to-day issues and my broken relationships or people who you've had disagreements with. You give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, my words are, are your words. This morning, will you trust the Lord? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. Your own understanding is where you feel you have to control it. I'm going to close this in a prayer. And I'm going to invite you to respond. If you want to trust Jesus this morning, now is your time to make that public. He never lets us down. God, I pray for the folks here and the folks online listening. God, we don't want to be like the Israelites who were begging for a king. And you warned them because they wanted to be like the other nations. Lord, we don't want to be like other people. We want to be like you. Lord, make us like you and you alone. God, if there's anybody here that needs to trust you as their Savior, they need to walk this aisle, march down this aisle and say, I'm ready to live for the Lord. God, we pray this morning will be the day of salvation. God, we give you this invitation. I thank you for what you're doing our wonderful church. I thank you for those listening online that they will respond. They'll reach out to our Facebook team and we'll get in touch with them. Lord, we pray for baptism next Sunday. Somebody wants to get baptized, they'll let us know right now. Lord, we trust you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you want to respond to Jesus, now is your time to do that. So let's stand together. We close every single worship service here with an invitation. I'll be seen right here. Brother Hurd will be seen right here. You come take our hand when you trust the Lord.